Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on this episode, I'm pretty excited to uh, be here with Micah. Is it Ryan Harz or Ryan Hartz? Ryan Hartz. Like with like, it sounds like it should have a T, but it doesn't have a T. Yeah, it's very elusive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I met Micah at Brevard this past summer, and uh, I felt like we hit it off and and had a great time and played trumpet and stuff like that. But Micah was very interested in just learning some of the audition prep stuff that I, uh, that I was talking about and I've shared on my podcast before and things like that. So we walked through that and you were preparing for Milwaukee second and North Carolina assistant principal. Those are pretty close to mm-hmm. each other. And so, um, I worked with them. I helped him organize. That was pretty much it. The extent to it. I just organized things. You did a lot of the practicing in your own. We didn't do like a, some coaching aspect of it. Although we did talk from time to time, but the auditions are over. And so this is my opportunity to get feedback from Micah and kind of see how the process went. And hopefully you listening can glean some things from this style of preparation that you might put in your own preparation and uh, hopefully find some more positive outcomes if you're struggling. So before we dive in, Micah, I just want to say thank you for being here. I appreciate you giving me some of your time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me and helping me with all these auditions. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to get into it because you had like an insane amount of stuff to try to organize and and work through. (laughs) So before we dive, before we get into the actual prep, I just want to talk to you or I want you to share rather about why did you want to try this style of preparation? What kinds of struggles were you experiencing before that made you be interested in in trying something new uh, and structured like this? Yeah. So, um, I suppose I should give maybe a brief timeline of my audition history so far. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in terms of my playing, uh, I really felt like I was ready to start taking auditions when COVID hit, which was perfect timing because there were practically no openings existing except for really um, in the military bands, which was perfect for me because I'm from the DC area. I live in Northern Virginia. So I felt like that was a perfect opportunity. And I took a few auditions with the bands at the time. Didn't really have a, uh, a plan for my audition prep. And I'm not going to lie. I was pretty naive to the process at the time. My goal was really just to try and play well and see what happens, which thinking about it now, I think was really not a bad place to start since the first audition I took, I ended up in the finals and uh, the two auditions I took after that for the Navy band and the Marine band, I was in the semifinals. So I thought that was a pretty good plan for me, but it wasn't until later with the military bands, I started running into problems with my eligibility for military service, uh, which unfortunately a lot of that really is out of your control when it comes to joining the military. But long story short, playing in the military, as a musician just wasn't really an option for me anymore. So I needed to figure out what to do next. And 
for me, the obvious choice was to turn to orchestral music. Uh, the difficulty I found uh, was having been so focused on bands for so long, orchestral music just was not um, comfortable for me yet. I didn't really know a lot of the rep um, that is associated. So I decided I needed to continue my studies in grad school, buy myself some time and refocus my goals. And once I did dive into the world of orchestral auditions, I did realize really how different it is from uh, military auditions, for example. Like I said, you have the sheer amount of repertoire you need to prepare um, compared to, for example, the bands. You have a lot of repeat excerpts, but you're dealing really with maybe 14 or 15 band excerpts that you know you see on pretty much every audition. But so anyways, I started with orchestral auditions. The first audition I took was with the Evansville Philharmonic, my first day of grad school. And I started off strong and won a principal trumpet job there, um, which was perfect for me at that time. Thinking back, I think that list was maybe around 10 excerpts and pretty much as standard as lists get. Um, but Evansville was really just like the perfect job for me. It is the perfect job for me. I'm getting so much needed experience playing in an orchestra, which I didn't really have before. I'm slowly learning the rep and skills required for orchestral jobs, which by the way, is way more than just playing standard rep. I had to learn a ton of other skills, like how to play a pop show, how to play movie music or jazz lead charts, you know, yeah. none of these skills I really feel like I worked on before working, trying to work professionally. So the challenge now became, how can I get through an extremely taxing program without folding? And I'm not going to lie. I think a lot uh, of the concerts that we had, you know, we just played so much, my face couldn't handle it. And I just mm -hmm. had to learn how to have a more efficient setup. So there's a lot of learning in that process. Um, and once I felt a little more settled about halfway into the season, I felt like I was ready to take on more orchestral auditions. Luckily at the time, there was a pretty large burst of things that had just come out. Um, and I did something that I probably wouldn't recommend to anybody. And that is, I took about eight auditions in the span of just a few months. Um, <laughs> which thinking back was absolutely insane. You know, my plan really was just to take literally everything that was open and see what happens. And, you know, obviously I was shocked when I didn't advance in a single one of them. You know, I had all this success earlier with taking auditions and now it felt like I just took a huge dip and I was having a lot of trouble figuring out, you know, what, what was I doing wrong? And, um, this affected me at the end of the day, I felt like I really wasn't consistently delivering at my highest potential. You know, this affected over the long term, affected my self-confidence, you know, and it created this gap, I think, between where I felt like I was in my development and where I needed to be. You know, that gap felt more elusive by the day. Like, what was a committee looking for and what, what am I missing from my playing? So I really felt stuck in a way. Um, so I did what I think a lot of people would do at that time. I went to as many people as I could, tried to get 
as much advice as possible, see what they said. Um, and by doing that, I think my playing continued to get a lot better, but my audition results remained the same, unfortunately. So it's got me thinking, I'm clearly doing something wrong when it comes to auditioning. Like maybe there's a skill to auditioning, um, that I'm not, I'm not inherently understanding. Mm -hmm. I think the thing I realized is, I mean, auditioning is a skill in and of itself. It's something that I think musicians need to practice just like they practice their fundamentals or any other skill, if that's the path that they want to go down career-wise. So I needed a plan for how to practice this skill. And that's when I ran into you, Ryan, this past <laughs> summer at Brevard. <laughs> yeah. You kind of came in last minute. Um, and, you know, it was great playing with you. That was a lot of fun. I feel like I learned a lot, but also I feel like you were very generous with your time. Um, and I think part of my desperation <laughs> played a part in that, but you introduced me to this new approach when taking auditions, you know, it was, uh, a process that I was not really equipped to understanding. Um, so it took a, a while to set this up. But in the end of the day, I think it really set me up well for the year. And, you know, in the two auditions that I've taken since working together, I feel like I was more prepared for those auditions than I've ever been for any audition that I've taken before. So I think that's uh, a huge win in my book. I think I made a lot of progress just working with you in that pretty brief time. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting how that works. Yeah, this is good because I mean, when we were at Brevard, I didn't get some, all of this history. I knew some of the struggles you had had recently with auditioning, but I don't think I got, I don't, well, maybe you told me and I forgot, but I didn't remember that piece about the military bands. And, and so that can be even worse, right? You have this success and you're like, what's happening? I'm doing the same stuff. I also forgot in your intro to say you're at IU right now and you were at yeah. Northwestern <laughs> previous. I completely forgot to say that. So that's going to kind of ground us too. Like you're sort like what I like about, your story is like, you just, you're like at the sort of the, I don't want to say the beginning. Cause you still, you already have so much experience auditioning, but you just have so much more time and to figure things out. And so for me, it's cool for you to be, to have learned about this process this early. Cause it took me, you know, 10 plus years after I left grad school to start to put some of these pieces together. So, um, my hope is, and we're going to dive into this in just a second, but my hope is that even just going through this process once will kind of shift your understanding and change the way you go about doing things. Uh, let's dive into the thing. I I'm going to try to have it from your perspective and I'll certainly fill in gaps if, if need be, but yeah, of course, <laughs> can you try to the best of your ability to, to take us through what the, the preparation, the different phases of preparation, what we were focused on at different times these two lists were massive. And so it was kind of a lot to try to get it together. So like I said, from your perspective, I'll try to fill in the gaps to the best of my memory too. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, um, I just want to preface here that, you know, I'm not an expert when it comes to taking auditions. This is just my experience with working with you and organizing myself. Um, and, I feel as we explain it, it may seem pretty intuitive and standard to what most people talk about who have been successful with their audition preparation. I think there's a lot of commonalities between different approaches. Uh, but the key aspect of this program that I think worked with me is the organization that comes with it. I think having a foundation 
that is very specific uh, is what helps me gain consistency in my playing and preparation and help me play at a, a much higher level than I think I was before, which for me is the hardest part to nail down. How do you play uh, the way that you've been practicing? How do you play like the best you can and not let an audition change that? So as someone who personally can get overwhelmed by big projects like this, this uh, organi organizational aspect really helped me. Um, there is a very large visual representation of this for how to practice specifically um, that, that pretty much went down to the day. Uh, and, you know, as we worked together, the, the plan was subject to change, you know, thing, unexpected things came up, but I think that foundation was really important. And uh, using the spreadsheet the way we did, we used the spreadsheet to organize, was really useful for me for this purpose because it ended up taking a lot of stress out of my situation. All I really had to do was follow the plan that we created and not really worry about anything else. Just trust that this is the plan that we've, that we've set out and uh, see it through and, and see what happens. So, so yeah, this past month I took two auditions with the Milwaukee Symphony and North Carolina Symphony. They were within two weeks of each other, I believe, which meant in my particular situation, I had to treat the prep as one combined list. I couldn't really focus on one audition over the other because they were so close together. And uh, they were for different positions in the orchestra. So there wasn't a lot of overlap. And I believe it was a cumulative list of almost 100 excerpts between the two auditions, a lot of which I'd never worked on before. Like that, to me, was an insane project that we were going to try and embark on. That's so much to work on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the way, the way your program works is pretty much all your prep is broken up into three phases. Um, ideally, each phrase will last about two weeks, and you want the timeline to line up uh, close or as close as you can to the day of your preliminary round. So with mul multiple auditions like I had, my plan needed to shift a little bit, but th that's the general timeline that we followed. Mm -hmm. So basically the first phase, um, I'm going by your, <laughs> your labels. The first phase is yeah. what we call the ingraining phase. <laughs> this is all about ingraining the music. No, that's the, uh, the first one's the acclimation one, right? Oh, and okay. is the second one. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah, the first one's the acclimation phase. These labels don't really matter. I almost don't feel like I want to use the labels anymore. Like I, that's what I called them when I first started. But really, I almost just like calling it phase one, phase two, phase three. You know what I mean? Like, because you can call it whatever you want. And that was that was back when I was like working through it from like a fitness point of view. You know, and I was like right. literally stealing everything <laughs> from. But as I've kind of worked with it and 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 gotten used to it, like those those labels can be helpful for remembering it. But really, it's just phase one. We're just working on the unfamiliar and most technical things and like pulling all that out so that you because you said a lot of this was unfamiliar. So it would be helpful to like really be yeah. able to focus on just that. So don't worry about that. <laughs> so phase phase one acclimation, <laughs> not ingraining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as you said, it's it's pretty much everything you're unfamiliar or uncomfortable with. This includes all of your worst excerpts and 
Uh, oh, let me just say, before you start physically practicing, you want to figure out how does every excerpt sound? How do you want it to sound away from the trumpet? So you're going to do a majority of your listening. You're going to compile all your favorite recordings. Uh, you know, sit down at a piano, make sure you can sing all the pitches correctly, study a score a lot, study a score to learn who you're playing with, you know, how does your part fit into the general landscape of the piece. And you also want to pick uh, your, your personal tempo goals for each excerpt. Um, so that's going to be some sort of middle ground based on the recordings that you listen to. You know, there might be a recording that is pretty far-fetched, um, you wouldn't really consider that as a standard tempo for a particular excerpt. So this all really needs to happen before you start physically practicing. Um, and it can take a lot of time, but it's really crucial to set up the rest of the prep. Um, but yeah, so you might be better at explaining this part, but next you pretty much take your most unfamiliar excerpts and you start practicing them at a very slow tempo so that you can work your way up slowly to the tempo goals. So with so many excerpts, we use the Excel sheet to track uh, how many times a week was I practicing each excerpt, what was the progress I was making, and you know if I had any notes on what I wanted to improve. So we made a schedule, distributed the list as evenly as, evenly as possible throughout the week so that no one day was really more overwhelming than the other. We wanted to kind of break up the work. So it was even throughout the week yeah. and make it realistic with actual practice. You know, you plan in your rest days and all that stuff. So for example, wanna, for a technical yeah, excerpt. Oh, <laughs> I was going to, I was going to interject real quick. It is worth saying too, that because the North Carolina audition, you already said it was, they were two weeks apart. So we basically, mm -hmm. it's like we did two separate preparations, two weeks apart from each other. So as Micah is describing this process. It's just to keep in mind that North Carolina had two weeks. And then when we started the next phase of North Carolina, we began the first phase of Milwaukee as well. So uh, it's just, yeah, that's just worth keeping in mind that it was all one, two weeks apart from each other. So when it got stacked on top of each other, it just, yeah, it became a lot. But anyway, you were saying, for example. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a lot of playing, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't back down from a challenge, I guess. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. For you're saying like, yeah. Okay. For so example. for example, uh, if you have a technical excerpt, you know, you need to work on it a lot. Um, this is just to help picture how the spreadsheet was set up. You might decide maybe you're going to practice that excerpt three times a week. And each time you practice it, you'll do three repetitions of that excerpt. So uh, I'd probably start practicing a super technical excerpt. Maybe this is just arbitrary numbers, really. You can make it more personal to your needs, but maybe I'll play it 50% of my goal tempo and increase the tempo by 4% for each repetition. Um, the tempo increases, you want to keep that small because you want to keep the progress intentionally slow and manageable to not overwhelm yourself. This is a big project over a long period of time. You don't need to be in a rush to do anything. So this Excel sheet that we use really was key for organizing and helping me visualize real progress that I was making. 
Um, the other thing I'll say is recording yourself is probably the most important part of any audition that you take. Uh, every single repetition that I did was recorded. I immediately listened back to it. And after listening back, you know, I'd take notes. What, what did I do? Well, what do I want to work on? You know, don't let emotions really be a part of it. You want to be a, as objective and specific as you, as you can be. And then I would maybe pick one or two of those things to try and fix for the next repetition. And you repeat the process as many times as you've written in your Excel. So if a problem was fixed, I would go back into my sheet. I would write down what did I do to fix it. And for every excerpt over a period of time, I kind of made a log of the things that I figured out. Um, I think this is really important because it helped me kind of continuously build progress with each repetition by having a reference that I can go back to. Uh, and it also minimized wasted time or extra playing because like we were saying, this was a really big project with a lot of practicing on top of, you know, school or whatever professional requirements that I had. So for me, this was the most efficient setup that we could create. Um, so yeah, that's phase one. Once you have all your excerpts pretty much up to the tempo that you've set yourself for yourself and you feel like you can play it pretty pretty accurately, you move to phase two. Um, I'd say this is probably going to be the bulk of your prep. If you have more time, you might spend more time there, but that's entirely up to you. But at this point, you ideally know how to play every excerpt on the list, and you're at least capable of playing it the way you want at the tempo you want. So the big thing about this phase is you're now shifting from practicing to performing. Um, I'd say you can prioritize what needs more practice and schedule that accordingly. But generally, each excerpt would have about two repetitions. So for the first one, again, you're recording yourself with a metronome at your goal tempo. And you want to practice playing things right the first time. So you're performing for the first repetition. And it's okay if you crash and burn. Uh, that's part of the process, but you, you generally want to simulate the audition mindset where you only get one chance at playing well. Um, you know, then I'd go back I'd listen, analyze what I hear. And when I move on to the second repetition, now my focus is on maintaining and ingraining those good habits. So what we did is we'd like bump the tempo back down to something slower and more manageable and play it through again, recording yourself, making sure that you're building healthy habits, healthy habits <laughs> and the confidence that, that comes with that. Yeah. That's yeah. really important because the next time, uh, it's, the idea is basically every time you go back to a particular excerpt, the gap between your first run and your second run diminishes and you get better at, at trying to play an excerpt the way you want the first time. That's your goal. So once you've done that, um, then you move on and you kind of increase the difficulty level. Now, phase three, you start running randomized mocks and you're honing in on you know your first round excerpts and perhaps even playing section round excerpts with other people. So for the randomized mocks, what we did is we took a random number generator, kind of, I messed around a little bit with how many excerpts I'd play yeah. for each round 
and how many rounds to do for each day. But, but I think what helped was trying to parallel the structure of the actual audition. So if you get an email from the audition coordinator and they say, okay, your audition time is going to be two o'clock for the preliminary round. Maybe you want to try to time it around that, or maybe you try to simulate what that audition day will feel like. Um, or maybe there are, are going to be multiple rounds in a day. So you might try to simulate that feeling and make sure that that's all comfortable. But again, you're making sure you're still recording every round that you do. You listen back and analyze. And I think over time, the execution of rounds becomes more consistent. You kind of get a better sense of how to transition between musical styles, you know, instruments or gear or whatever whatever might be holding you back. Cause you're no longer just practicing one excerpt. You're practicing a list. Um, uh, one thing that I did a little differently from the program that I think also helped me a lot was, um, separate from the randomized mocks was the excerpts that I felt would be called on a first round. Once I got to the point where I felt like my execution overall was pretty good and consistent, I practiced only starting those excerpts. So, and I'd, I'd pretty much make a little game out of it. You know, I would put trumpets all around my house and, you know, pick up a horn and see, okay, can I play the first opening triplets of Mahler 5? Okay, put the horn down. I'll walk around, pick up another horn. Okay, play the opening arpeggio of Petrushka. You know, put that horn down, go around. Okay, can I play Carmen? You know, like I, I would do this like a good amount um, maybe at the end of my day, but I think overall, the big thing that this helped me was minimize really how much thinking and mental work that I was doing. I think, you know, you're working on these lists and some of the excerpts that you might not really focus on as much that are quote unquote, maybe more standard, um, are things that you've been working on probably since you started playing your instrument, you know? Who knows what your history was, but for me, you know, there's a lot of baggage that can be associated with excerpts like that. And there can be a lot of overthinking and, and I mean, you never know, like it's really, it can be tough to sometimes ex execute those in a high pressure setting. So I think that was really helpful for me. I got to, uh, you know, make things simple, which is always better for me. I'm just focusing now on playing the first note with the healthiest, most beautiful sound. And it's really not more complicated than that. Um, and I think that actually gave me a leg up in the, in the actual audition because, you know, there are common pitfalls with every excerpt and you want to try to avoid those in general. Um, the other thing that I think is really important for this phase is you need to consider what makes you confident as a musician so for me personally, I feel most confident when my chops are rested and supple. So if I'm grinding excerpts over a long period of time on repeat, you know, sometimes that might give me the tendency to wear out a little bit. Uh, so in those last few weeks, I'll maybe spend some of my time playing music I enjoy or reminding myself that trumpet really is a fun thing that we, that we do. I think that's really important to stay positive, especially when we're in such a competitive field. Mm -hmm. 
And not to mention, you know, if you're playing in an audition, a committee can hear it and you're playing when you're having fun. If you're stressed out, if you're having fun, you know, all your emotions, they come out and you're playing whether you like it or not. I think, I think it's just overall better to, to have fun when we're doing this. Um, it doesn't always have to be such a stressful, intense scary thing that we do yeah totally yeah, so that's i remember when i was doing yeah. the gregson i got into that last phase and it it, it kind of felt exactly the same i was i was like just playing and i was trying to remember like i've put all of this work into it and i've been down in like the depths of like trying to make everything every small little detail better it was nice to just like lighten up a bit and just play and have fun and sort of in, in yeah. some ways enjoy like the the work that I had put into it the 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 sort of quality of playing I was able to experience as a result so it's kind of interesting you sort of cuz I don't think we talked about that maybe we did but I don't remember no, talking we didn't. so that's kind of cool you came to a very similar conclusion well yeah i noticed i mean like pretty much with every audition the closer i get the more stressed out i would be and that's just not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's ever helped my playing either. So, I mean, maybe what happened is I just made the decision to not be stressed out anymore. Maybe I just changed my mindset. Um, but I think, I think it's really important to, to not let yourself kind of get bogged down um, in your insecurities or in the things that you don't really feel comfortable with because... That's not really why we do this. Yeah. Yeah. Th that is an incredible summation. Like, it's pretty cool because I know we walked through it and you had a million <laughs> questions when we were at Brevard. And it's just cool that you going through the process, like oh, virtually everything about that is like what I would have said about it. So like, obviously you understand it. You've taught me well. <laughs> it's just very cool for me. It's like, it can be kind of yeah. like, it, we, you know, it can be kind of granular and specific but like everything about the recording, like, you know, you obviously understand that it's not just about running the repetitions, but using the repetitions to get better. And that's something mm -hmm. that took me a long time to learn how to, to explain. So I think people would be critical of my process and say, oh, well, it's just like too, it's almost like too structured, right? It's like, I do this and then I do this and I do this, but sometimes I like to experiment. And so it kind of mm -hmm. took me a little while to understand that there is experimentation possible within the structure. Like it's not so, but the structure helps keep you grounded and like I'm moving forward and I'm not just grinding to a halt because I can't do one thing exactly the way I, I want to. So that is really yeah. awesome um, that you, that you, I mean, you even answered a couple of other questions along the way, which is nice. I think I would love <laughs> for you to, speak a little bit to the physical and mental challenges. So more, most specifically is when I know there are some excerpts that were, they were bugging you for some of the process, yeah. some of the piccolo excerpts yeah. and some of the low register things. And so I, I'm curious for you to kind of speak to how you kept your mental state sort of positive while you were building towards a more consistent uh, execution of those. And then just in general, mentally, how did you, I mean, you already spoke to it with like walking around your, your, your place with the trumpets and trying to dial in, but just in general, like how did you cultivate sort of a, a clear headspace that uh, you were able to perform at your highest level in the audition? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's interesting. Cause it's, uh, that was a tough thing for me. I think, I think for me, the hardest part about preparing 
an audition was the mentality. You know, I, I really needed to manage my expectations, you know, so much of auditioning, I think is a mental game and we all want to win, you know, uh, I of course wanted to win. Um, of course I was like very happy to get closer to winning, but, um, I don't think that should necessarily be the goal. I think that when you place this kind of pressure on yourself, the more you want something, the more pressure you put on yourself. For me personally, it might be different for other people, but the harder I fall mm-hmm. when I don't get it, it's almost like I have this innate ability to psych myself out to the point really of self-sabotage. Um, like I'm never really giving my full potential and I'm just getting in my way. So I really had to spend a lot of time just practicing believing in myself, being, you know, fearless and confident. And, uh, cause the goal is that the audition itself really should be no different than any day of your prep. It should be very predictable. You know, you shouldn't expect yourself to play better than how you prepared and you shouldn't worry about playing worse. Like you spend so much time building the consistency through this process. So you should place trust in the work that you've done. And I think that's a really freeing feeling. You know, I think my particular nature is relatively obsessive uh, when it when it comes to this. So, so this concept is really something I had to double down on and sometimes trick myself into believing, you know. Sometimes I really just had to like distract myself altogether, especially in those final days, making sure, you know, I'm occupying myself with things that I enjoy doing both trumpet and non-trumpet related. Um, Like those last few days, I found are really crucial with setting yourself up because for me, like the more obsessed you become, the more damage you're likely to do. And so, so like one piece of advice I would say is like spend those last couple of days, you know, hanging out with friends or family, be with, you know, the people who can show you love and bask in that positive energy. If you're unable to manufacture that yourself. Now, like, for example, if you're working on a list and there are certain excerpts, you know, that are not really up to the speed that you expect yourself. Like for me, one thing I really had to work on was working on the piccolo trumpet. It's not really something I had uh, taken the time to kind of dissect until relatively recently. And it's a skill that I really, really needed to hone in on. But, you know... It's, it wasn't necessarily, uh, it's not my strongest skill for sure. I can definitely say that. Um, (laughs) and it's something I had to work on a lot. And I think the hard thing for me was not letting myself get bogged down. Um, it's, uh, a thing that takes time really to develop. You can't, you can't rush that process. You can't let yourself cut corners because again, like you will, likely cause damage the more you try to skip steps of your of your development but like i think the big thing with that is managing your expectations you know i don't think your goal should be going into an audition to win i think it should be more focused on the process of like we said getting better you know i think if For example, if my piccolo excerpts are not up to speed by the time of the audition, that's okay because the work that I'm putting in is not lost. Mm -hmm. It's a cumulative effect that, that builds with each audition that I take. And I think, 
um, you know, it'll take however much time really, really it needs to take. So I think like, make sure you're focusing on musical thoughts, not technical thoughts, make sure you're not getting bogged down and make sure you have realistic expectations for yourself. Um, because everyone takes a different path. It really takes uh, a different amount of time for people to get to the same place. Yeah. Gosh, it's, it's just fascinating to listen to you. Cause I remember when I was your age, I remember very vividly, actually, I, my first audition I ever took was third trumpet in San Francisco. I was a senior in college and I didn't advance because of course I didn't advance. Although I felt like I played okay. <laughs> my second audition I ever took was a second and third trumpet audition for San Francisco. And I advanced to the semis. And I was like, all right, next audition, I'm going to be in the finals and everything's going to, you yep. know what I mean? Like I, I, I just thought like, that's how it worked. And then I remember the third audition I ever took was principal trumpet in national. Uh, it was one of the no hires, not the one Billy won. Okay. And I didn't advance. And I remember just being like depressed, you know, because I was like, I don't get it. Like I advanced at the last audition. And so <laughs> like, why didn't I advance, you know? And it's like the perspective that you shared, I just couldn't even grasp at that time. Like I couldn't have understood that like, there's this process that I'm following that like all of me is getting mm -hmm. better over time. And like when it's time and all the skills come together and I win an audition, that's when it'll happen. Not like I almost thought through sheer force of willpower, I could just do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. It's cool to hear that you have this perspective at your age. Cause I hope that it will serve you better than, and you'll hopefully like run into fewer like issues as like a human being than I ran into. Cause everything was all about, trying to win the audition and, you know, prove things like I could do it. I could prove to myself or whatever. So speaking of the results, I'm, it's awesome that you are, you have sort of found a good relationship with it, but we should talk about the result of the audition and, and what happened with each one of them and how you're feeling about it. So uh, let's talk about North Carolina first. Uh, what was the result for you in that audition? Uh, the result for North Carolina, I advanced to the semifinal round there was, I believe, seven of us in the semifinals. And then I did, that's where the road ended for me. I didn't advance after that, but that's okay because, you know, I broke my streak of not being able to advance in the previous eight auditions that I took. You know, I, I think, I think that audition actually in particular, I put a lot more pressure on myself than I did for Milwaukee. Um, because I was just kind of expecting the same result. I was expecting myself to just not really do well in particular. So like, I remember the day before I was just stressed out of my mind, could barely eat, think, you know, <laughs> it's really a feeling that I don't, I, I hope nobody experiences something like that, but everyone will at some point, yeah. but you know, it worked out. I feel like, um, Somehow I gained control of my thoughts and my body. I calmed down and just in time for playing. Um, I felt like my preliminary round was really strong. Uh, I listened, I recorded my round <laughs> like I do in my, all my other reps. Um, and I listened back and I was like, you know, it's okay if I don't advance because this I think is the best that I've played in an audition so far. So that in and of itself is progress. But, um, you know, 
I did advance, which was, it was really fortunate. And I remember in the semifinal round, uh, my mindset was a little bit different. It was a little bit more relaxed than the preliminary round. Um, I think I played strong, but not, I think I let some things go by the wayside because I was a little bit calmer and, Mm. um, less like intense about it, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It might just be a focus issue. Um, but there were little things that, that happened in my, in my, uh, semifinal round that I noticed in my recording definitely like put me in contention, but also would potentially, um, keep me from advancing to a final round. Yeah. Um, which was interesting to learn, you know, there is a different level that you need to be at for each of the rounds. You have to keep wowing the committee every time you play. It's interesting though, too, because I've always heard and experienced and would generally agree that the later you get into an audition, it's like almost the more room you have because like you've sort of earned a little bit of their trust, right? By getting that far into the round. So especially in something like a final round, you know, they know that everybody in that round is somebody that could probably do the job and do it well. And so you're just trying to like work with people to figure out how do they handle this or what do they sound like in this scenario? Right. But in that first round, it can be hard to have any some sort of wiggle room because there's so many people playing and there's so many people to get through. And so um, for me, sometimes, yeah, getting that first through that first round is like one of the hard, for me, like could be one of the harder. I mean, I also have not, like advanced in a very long time. So I'm no one to speak, but um, that's been my experience at least. Um, yeah. So it was, it was interesting learning that. Yeah. How about Milwaukee? For Yeah. So for Milwaukee, um, I think I was less stressed overall, but I also feel like um, that was a large part due to what happened in North Carolina. So I was still on this high of like, I broke my streak. I I've proven to myself that I'm capable of playing at a level that a committee is satisfied with and that I'm satisfied with. So let's just try to do that. You know, I didn't really have any expectations for myself. My only expectation was to play the way that I had been practicing. And if I'm overall pretty satisfied with how I've been practicing, you know, that's not really a high goal to, achieve. It's just another day. And, um, I think that really put things into perspective. Uh, it's interesting. My, my preliminary round at Milwaukee, I thought was also very strong, not as strong as my North Carolina round. I didn't feel as confident coming out of it. Um, but I advanced again, um, which was cool because I noticed, okay, so maybe the things that they're looking for, might be different in this audition, which could definitely be true. I think also another thing to consider is there might be some wiggle room uh, with mistakes. So like, you know, you obviously can't play things out of time and you can't um, miss a ton of no's and, you, you know, but like, I think the thing that they're looking for overall is, is there a trend in your playing that might, be worrisome, you know, not worrisome. Cause like, we're all just developed, but like, is there a thing that they notice that you still need to work on? And, and if they notice something like that, I think that's 
pretty much an automatic no when it comes to auditions. And it's interesting because like that happens to everyone. Like there were at both of these auditions, there were so many professionals that I saw, you know, people that I like look up to as musicians. And I see that I'm like, oh my gosh, how can I compete against that? Which is a terrible thought to have, you know, you're really just competing against yourself. Mm -hmm. But even professionals will show up and they won't advance because, you know, who knows what their preparation was, or maybe there's just like, you've had a bad day. I've had plenty of bad days and just fallen flat on my face in auditions. That's just like a thing that happens. And so that's like, that goes into managing your expectations. Things might not go well. Um, which is interesting because my semifinal round, things did not go well for Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't think that they were horrible, but um, there were about 11 of us, I think, in semifinals. And it was a two days of prelim. So over 100 people showed up. Um, and uh, we all had to show up at 9 a.m. and draw names out of a hat you know, to see who played first and what. And I was checking out of my B&B. You know, I woke up super early at 5 a.m., wanted to make sure I took my time in the morning. Um, but I was late checking out to my B&B, and I showed up five minutes late, and they had just assigned me the last time. So I was candidate number 11 out of 11. Uh, and that meant that I was playing at th around 3 p.m. So I was in my warm-up room literally from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m., not really with a plan for how to distract myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I brought a book with me, but I don't think that really helped. And normally I'd go on a bunch of walks or something, but it was pouring rain outside. So that was just unlucky. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the best of my situation. And, you know, I played my best for that day, but it was not what I would necessarily say is good enough maybe to, to make the finals in that instance. Like, I think I showed some things in my playing that, that still need work. I think, I think some things were really strong and I was really satisfied with, and then some things I need to hone in a little yeah. more and take responsibility for. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough situation. Anyone would struggle in that situation, you know, <laughs> being there for that long and you can't really like play too yeah. much and you're not like at your house. I didn't have any food. Yeah. And... <laughs> right. You're just like, it's, it's just a tough situation. And, um, Anyway, I, I think, yeah, it's just cool to hear your story here to cool, you know, your, your general thoughts about it to me, advancing into back-to-back -back auditions is like a good sign that as you just, as you discuss, like so much of the fundamental, like things that you need to have in place are in place for you. And obviously through continued, like, if you just get this much better every single time you do an audition prep, it just seems inevitable that something will, will land at some point in time. So um, I appreciate your willingness to kind of walk me through what your thoughts were. It sounds like I'm going to try to summarize a few of the positive points and I'll ask you what you would do differently. It sounds like especially the organizational part, just keeping all of the excerpts in the right spot so that you didn't have to expend a lot of brain energy to figure out right. what to do on each day but it not only helped you from an organizational day-to-day -day standpoint but it also helped just like keep you on track to manage like your expectations about the kind of progress you would make knowing that you just can you just put in good work continually you would make it and then also to to really start to figure out and dial in some of the mental game like finding you know using the recordings 
but almost as a way to like write down all of your thoughts about what's working, what's not working in terms of the mental side of things. So you could dial that in. I mean, I think keeping a journal in that way is so valuable because you can always look back on it later. And so it's, yeah, I mean, it's cool to hear. Cause like I said, we didn't do any coaching sometimes with people that I'm working with, we'll get together on a zoom call and I'll like share some of my thoughts on either the excerpts or the process or this or that. So for you to glean this much mm-hmm. and to basically do it and then just add some of those extra things that I thought were really cool in phase three, <laughs> I never would have thought of that. So, um, it sounds like those are some of the things that were really positive for you. What is, is there anything that you would change about the programming itself? Or is there anything that you would change about maybe the way you approach the program that you would do differently? Or uh, I'm curious, this is like kind of the thing I'm very interested in above all. Yeah. So, um, I think in terms of adjustments for the future, I think, uh, there are always skills, you know, that you need to continuously refine. Um, but I think as long as I keep my standards high, those skills will continue to develop over time. And as I grow as a musician, I think, um, you know, this is something that takes a lot of work and a lot of vulnerability. And, uh, if, if it, I didn't win these auditions. So some might see that as a complete failure. I, I don't think that's the case for me. I think, um, it's not worth really freaking out that things didn't work the way I expected, but I don't think it's worth changing a, a whole lot. I think we're talking about really small adjustments and not disrupting this overall game plan that we have. So like, so like, I think my overall prep and plan for the most part was very successful. The minor tweaks for the future, uh, again, very minor, they're not drastic. Um, if you make drastic tweaks, I think that would be a mistake to the entire approach because you're just trying to slowly, slowly like carve out a, a plan that works specifically to your needs. I think the thing for me is, um, there are some excerpts that I experienced that, for example, lyri- uh, a slow lyrical excerpt, it might not be um, something that I think works as well when we're talking about tempo relationships. We're just working on building tempos from a slow tempo to a, a faster tempo. I think you know, let me use Pines of Rome offstage for an example. If I'm working on that and I'm playing at half speed, that might be pretty exhausting to do and maybe not the most effective thing for building a healthy flow and sound. So maybe did you do that in this prep? my approach for some, uh, I did like once or twice, uh, for a couple of days and I realized that wasn't working hmm. for me. So actually the thing that I changed for it was I did the opposite. So you know, I actually sped up Pines of Rome until I felt like I could play it pretty easily. So I started at a faster tempo. It flowed a lot nicer. And over time, I actually slowed it down to the tempo that that I felt worked for me. Um, I think that was really useful. Um, another thing is there are some excerpts that, for example, are two to three minutes long, you know, in particular, I'm thinking like there were excerpts from, uh, Mahler two, 
that was like an entire movement long and they didn't really specify what you needed to practice. And sure you could break it up, but playing that through, um, can be pretty taxing. So maybe my approach for something like that would be, you know, trying to incorporate more of mental practice. Um, and really that goes, I think for a a lot of the excerpts, like if, what we, what we did is we took two programs and we overlapped them and that was a lot of playing to do. Um, and sometimes it was too much. I think, I think it's not a bad thing if you take a practice, take a, an excerpt and for a repetition in two or two, you try to sing it as best as you can, you know, beautifully, exactly how you'd want to play it. I think that's still ingraining positive habits. Um, and I don't think that's going to take away from your ability to play it on the trumpet. Um, maybe not for something like Magnificat where, you know, you need to like really make sure that you can get up into that tessitura. I think that's a little different, but I think using that mental practice really, really, really Mm -hmm. would help. Um, I'm trying to think some other things. I think, like I said, in the third program, incorporating some supplemental music to enhance your excerpts, you know, uh, if there's a, technical thing that you seem to run into a lot, maybe you find some etudes that would accomplish that same goal that keep you from playing that excerpt and incorporating, you know, potentially bad habits on it. Um, I think that could also go for maybe even making a program zero before you start working Mm -hmm. on it, where you take a look at the excerpts, you kind of know, what are, uh, you know, you do the Barbara and Charlie thing, you list your strengths one through 20 and you take your five weaknesses and you, you make a program for working on that and, you know, really singling out those parts of your playing that you want to work on. Um, I think one thing I noticed for me, uh, when running mocks, um, in the third phase, sometimes uh, time could be an issue because I feel like we weren't really using a metronome and tuner and like all those tools that we used a lot in the first two phases. So perhaps if a round doesn't go super well, maybe you go back later in the day and you work out some of the kinks that, that, that didn't really help you very much or that, that didn't, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a tough at that stage, right? Because you don't really have, you don't, and my, the, at least with this approach, you don't necessarily want to cross wires. Like you've done so much right. building work and you've not done nearly as much performing that you want to get right. a bulk of performing in. With something like time, what I what I tried to do was just pay attention to what are my like you're almost like that's what you're figuring out in that thing is what are my tendencies once I remove mm-hmm. all like you got a tuner, a metronome, like recordings. So if I remove all crutches, where am where just where am I at? So if I notice, oh a Schumann mm-hmm. two, like my sixteenth note is late, like I'm late to the downbeat or something like that. Well, then I can make like a mental note. And if I have enough runs, if I have enough mock auditions, like I should be able to have enough times of getting it right, you know? And so I I don't think that there's one hard and fast way to to go about doing that. Yeah, you kind of have to get an idea of your specific needs at any one time. And I think 
also like your exactly your needs might be different than mine, right? Me and my like the level of skill that I've developed, like me just making a decision in my head like might be fine. But for you, if you're developing that particular skill, like you were talking about, you might actually need some other specific repetitions to, to work through it. Whereas mm-hmm. I might understand it differently. And like later on when you're, you've, your skill is more developed, you may need less of that overall too. So it's hard to, some of right. this, like what I like about this process is you can get like a good structure there, but as you're pointing out, Really, the, I'm I'm willing to say that the structure is maybe at most ninety percent of what someone really will end up doing, and that last ten percent is exactly you're yeah. going to tweak some things here and there, and that's like as long as you have a good reason for doing it, I think it's a totally acceptable thing. I think a good reason is not things aren't going well. I'm just going to abandon the plan. I don't think that's a good reason. Versus like, oh, I'm noticing that as I do this, the beginning of these excerpts aren't quite as dialed in. So I'm just going to add in a little bit of practice on just the beginning so I can get a little bit. of Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And it's not something I've done, but it makes sense why someone would do that. So I think as long as there's a good reason you're addressing something and you're not just throwing the whole plan out, I think, yeah, those little tiny tweaks are things that you should be doing to develop kind of your your optimal version of it using this program as like sort of a, like a jumping off point. Yeah. Like here, here's another example. Let's say for example, you have an excerpt that just did not go well or has not been going well in your prep. Um, and you need to continuously work on it. Maybe you leave that out of some of the later phases, but continue to work on it as if it's still phase one. And Um, I think my approach for that would be, you know, I'm just going to try to get it as close as possible, not really rushing that process, but then like in the audition, I'm going to play it as confidently as I can. And if there's a mistake that I keep running into every time, I'm going to play it in such a way that, um, that mistake is almost a surprise Mm -hmm. to me. Like I'm going to see if I can trick the committee into thinking that that was just a fluke, for example. Yeah, no, I think that's smart. (laughs) Um, I mean, and not showing them your actual weakness. Absolutely. I think that's that's 100% smart. I, I I would totally agree with that, you know? Like you don't need my affirmation by any means, but I think that's a really smart way of thinking about it. And that adjustment you're talking about making is like a logical adjustment, you know what I mean? That you would right. say this particular one thing I need it to change it in this way versus this whole program doesn't work because this one this one thing so um, these are really good. These are good takeaways, like good stuff for me to think about. And even if I can't program it in, it's good for me to have these as possible solutions if I'm helping other people to know, oh, we could try this or we could add this or things like that. So it's super helpful for me. The final question. I, oh, likewise. Yeah. Well, the final <laughs> question I'd like to ask is just, is there anything else that you wanted to say that you felt was important about this process or, or auditions in general that you may not have gotten to say up until now? Um, okay. I think, okay, here's my advice. I would say for people who are looking to start taking auditions and they don't really know what they're doing, you should reach out to Ryan, (laughs) reach out to Ryan Beach, talk to him. I think he will start you down a very good, healthy path that will give you plenty of ideas and things to work on. Um, I believe you mentioned that you were kind of in the developmental stages of working on an app. 
Yes. Developmental being the key word. <laughs> I mean, oh, I have okay. an app. Maybe I no, shouldn't have cool. said I anything. Mean, <laughs> the app exists. It's just trying to get it to be in this format. Like we have the ideas. It's just people, are, you know, we're all busy. And But yes, like that is a desire yeah. of mine is to get that, get that going. But it's just such a valuable resource. I think it helped me so much. I think I got so much better just by working on these auditions. Um, I think, you know, it's definitely something that other people could also use if uh, it was somehow more widely accept- accessible or if you had an infinite amount of time to give to people, yeah. <laughs> which unfortunately <laughs> is never the case. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I appreciate that. I it's I'm glad it was that helpful to you, you know, that you were that it's uh, you feel like it helps set you off the path like that's that's actually for me, the goal is not necessarily, I mean, I'd love to give people a system that's like, do this and you'll win. And maybe, maybe that'll work out for some people. But I think the idea of the story you're telling that what we're really trying to do is just get you a really solid foundation to start with. So that I just think if you do what you did for three more auditions, so you would have taken five auditions total the amount of stuff you will have learned, I can't imagine that you wouldn't at that stage be like, I now have a process that I know will prepare me the way I want to be prepared. And then then it's just a numbers game, right? Then it is actually the numbers game yeah. you were trying to do previously, but you'll have the, the ability to, <laughs> to be take. prepared the way you want to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel confident that eventually down the road, I I don't think I'll have a problem eventually yeah. getting a job. I think it's just a matter of keeping my expectations in check, making sure that really the thing that I'm focusing on is trying to get better on on my personal my personal playing problems. You know, it's it's like a a journey, it's an an individual journey that you can't really compare to other people. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows what it'll happen? But I think that this is the road that I'm definitely going to explore down for future projects. That's awesome. Uh, if there is someone listening who has a desire to kind of get in touch with you and chat and has maybe more follow-up questions, or they also live in Bloomington and they want to hang out, <laughs> uh, how would someone find you on social media or otherwise? Oh, yeah. Um, so you can find me on... Facebook. My name is Micah Reinhartz. Um, I'm a trumpet player. I think it'll be pretty hard, pretty easy yeah. to search that up. My uh, my Instagram handle is Micah M I C A H underscore T O J. Um, that's probably those are probably the two places that I try to use most professionally. But I mean, I have no problem with people reaching out. I do that plenty with other people i feel like the i'm actually just remembering the first time that i reached out to you uh was years ago because i obviously saw a lot of your videos on uh youtube and whatnot but (laughs) you were talking a lot about powerlifting and weightlifting and i was so curious how as a trumpet player you're able to play trumpet while being sore from working out and I just couldn't figure out how to overcome that obstacle. (laughs) So I remember reaching out to you to see what your advice was. And I think it was basically just like breathe and stretch or something along that line. Yeah. 
That's what I do. I mean, I remember that because I was in a stage where I was like, okay, I'm going to officially put myself out there as I can work with people and I want to help them learn how to practice. <laughs> and then I, I, you know, anyone who pops up is like someone who's potential. And then you're, I, I thought that's like what you wanted, but you just want to talk about your sore from working out, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for uh, giving me your time and sharing and being honest about it. It's super helpful for me. And I hope that, um, someone listening is able to glean some things from it. And again, maybe they, you know, there's a, you know, can pull one or two things that, that make the, the next audition prep, uh, helpful. So thank you for that. I want to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast. You can check out Brandon at epiphany And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.